Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. End of the Tour tells the story of a five-day interview between Rolling Stone reporter and novelist David Lipsky, played by Jesse Eisenberg and acclaimed novelist David Foster Wallace, played by Jason Siegel, which took place right after the 1996 publication of Wallace's groundbreaking epic novel, Infinite Jest. As the days go on, a tenuous and yet intense relationship seems to develop between journalist and subject. We're joined today by the subject and also the author of the book upon which this film is based. You were approached about uh, turning into a film... Where, where in this process uh, do you come into the making of End of the Tour? Um, and around, around 2007, um, the people who I work with on the book who had thought that it would be a strong tale that would be a way of preserving what we preserved in the book, which is what this great writer, David Foster Wallace, what he was like. He was this wonderful writer, and he also was an especially kind of a lake, uh, electric and awake and alive person. And so we we began thinking about as this Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright named Donald Margulies, who all, who often wrote about artists and writers. And so my agent sent over to his people uh, the book, and it was very exciting. It was it was very quick. He was the only person that we talked to about the material, and uh, his people have anonymous content. They're the they're the company that produces True Detective, mm-hmm. and the Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, hey, you know, he he loves the book and he understands why it's important to preserve this great writer's life and to preserve this great writer's words and the way he talked about his life. And so we began working on it probably about the summer of 2011. And what was your specific role? And I know, as you talked about, David... Um, my my role was interested onlooker. Okay. <laughs> no, I, um, okay. no, they were great. I mean, they, um, they knew how much I had cared about keeping things right with uh, this time I'd spent with David Wallace. One of the things about the book is that it's sort of a biography of David Wallace, but biographies, I don't know if, you've, if, if your listeners have read them, I read them because I'm fascinated by the lives of people I admire. Mm-hmm. But often it's like some dialogue or some things from letters, and then the writer kind of guessing what the writer or the subject of the biography felt. You know what I mean? How they felt when they were kids, how they felt about their jobs, how they felt about their lives. And David and I had spent five days driving around the Midwest, and I had we had had the recorder on, and he had told me the story of his life, and it was in his own, it was in his own words. It was what he felt about his writing. It's what he what he wanted his writing to do. What he wanted his life to be like, and <clears throat> the, the movie gave us a chance to make that alive for viewers, people who could never have taken that trip before. Yeah, it is a remarkable. First of all, it's a wonderful film. Uh, I, I, I would just much. yeah. It is, and and I and I especially like. Uh, well, the acting is terrific. This this has a feel for for cinephiles. There is a, there's an element of my dinner with Andre in this film. Uh, <laughs> I love that movie. I love it too, and and it has that that sort of the back and forth, and particularly in the in the. By early... the way, I, I I even like Andy Kaufman's parody of it, which was My Breakfast with Blossy. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Blossy is the well, Worldwide Wrestling <laughs> Federation manager. David, I love that reference, and I I've seen it, and you're. <laughs> That's a great. That's a great. Reference. I think that may actually be better than my dinner with Andre. 
Oh my gosh. Well, for anyone listening, you should check that. You can go online. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And God bless Andy Kaufman. Uh, but uh, yes. And um, so again, I mean, the, the back and forth and what I particularly like is, and I assume to be, as you said, you, you tried to, you were as an interested onlooker, making sure that it was uh, 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 consistent with, with your reality. And that is the, the initial even in the friendliest moments in the beginning of the film and when, when they're just getting to know one another, you can see the beginning of some sparring that starts to take place, uh, even in, in almost as an undercurrent, not really that overt. And I love the way this film unfolds and the story obviously unfolds in the, uh, this com- very compressed sure, time Mike, frame. Mike, do, you mind if I'm, do you mind if I be completely frank? Yes. Um, <clears throat> I know that I've read some reviews talking about uh, David and, and me, so the, the two Davids in the movie sparring. Mm-hmm. And I know that some of uh, the, the people who I work with on the movie, that they see it that way too. I've never seen it that way. Okay. To me, what I love about the movie, there's a, a movie I love called Lost in Translation. Did you ever see that? Oh, absolutely, yes. And it's about two people who don't know each other, who meet for a short time and who travel together for a while and who form a bond, and then they leave and you don't know if they'll see each other again ever. And what I loved about that movie was it allowed me as a viewer to have that experience, an experience I could never otherwise have. And that's one of the things that I love about this movie, is that here are, these, <clears throat> here are these two people who have some things in common and have other things they don't have in common, but they're sharing this experience and they're creating this experience together. And it, allow, it, it preserves this time that mattered a great deal to me, mm-hmm. and it also introduces viewers to this terrific writer and this terrific person, David Foster Wallace. Okay. Well, but I, there's something about you as a writer writing about a writer hmm. that I, was, I found fascinating um, in that in your preparation, in your, uh, uh, before you met uh, David Foster Wallace, was, and you, as, as I should point out, you had already written a, a novel called um, The Art the Fair, Fair, and it was very well received, and it, it, had, it had gotten acclaim. Uh, you had also written a compilation, uh, the three thousand dollars, and so what, in going into that and knowing obviously that uh, David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest had been re- really lionized in in some way, what was your feeling going in? Were you anxious? Were you were or were you were you ready to ready to match wits with him? What was your feeling going into this? Well, the, the, I think that the writer's life in general is kind of an anxious one. I remember James Thurber once writing about that. And it often can be a little bit of an envious one. Um, Mike, are you an all a Simpsons fan? Yes. There's an episode, I believe, that Patty and Selma are Marge's two sisters. They're twins. Mm-hmm. And there's an episode where I believe Patty is marrying Troy McClure. And it was a beautiful wedding. She's wearing her gown. It's a lovely ring. And then before they leave on their honeymoon, Patty goes to find her sister Selma. And she, she goes to Patty, Patty goes to Selma and says, please tell me what you know I want to hear. And uh-huh. Selma says... I'm dying of jealousy. <laughs> and I remember that when I was talking to the writer, Jonathan Franzen, he's, a, he's the author of a, of a great novel called The Corrections and the great novel that's kind of about David called Freedom. He and David were very close friends, and they would sometimes send manuscripts back and forth. Or John, when, when Franzen was done with the, with the corrections, he sent it to David to read. And what David said is kind of, I think, the way writers often connect with each other. He said, okay, as your friend, I'm thrilled for you and I'm... I'm you know, I'm over the moon that you've written this great book. And as a fellow writer, <laughs> I'm incredibly jealous, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's, I just think that's part of how writers connect. Um, 
David was <clears throat> the the world of young writers who are all trying to like learn how to do their jobs and also pay the bills. Yeah. You're trying to learn both, and when you're young, you're trying to learn both things. People who've just gotten out of college five or six or seven years earlier, they're trying to learn how to pay the bills in general, and you're trying to learn to do that while you're trying to learn this interesting, difficult craft of writing. It can be rough, but you get to know the other people who are doing it. And so I had been hearing about David for years. He was friends with friends of mine. He was friends with girls who I knew. And so the feeling when, when David's work became great, it started to get really, really good in 1994. Uh, there were excerpts from, from Infinite Jest appearing in quarterlies. And then one of his, he's very famous also for doing incredibly vivid and alive essays. One of those essays, those essays began to appear in Harper's Magazine. And friends I knew who worked there, he was such a charming person that they began to brag about him. When he came to town, they would say, hey, Wallace was here, and I, I got to go outside and have a cigarette with him, mm-hmm. or I got to have a soda with him. So when I traveled out there, aside from feeling great that there was a great writer who was a little bit older than me, and feeling jealous because there was a great writer who was a little bit older than me, um, I also knew that I was going to visit somebody who was from the same world that I was from. Yeah. We're speaking. Yeah, by, the way, by the way, that was an incredibly long answer. No, that's great. Uh, uh, we're we're talking with uh, David Lipsky. He's the author of a number of award-winning books. And by the way, uh, Art Fair, the Art Fair won a uh, Time Magazine named it best book of the year. Yeah, actually, the um, the Time the <coughs> Time named the Absolutely American, which was a book that I did um, a couple years after I'd been traveling with David. Um, I went. I was the I think the first and only journalist to do this. I went to West Point and joined a company there and went through the entire four-year training period at West Point. And Absolutely American was the book that received the, the Time Magazine Best Book of the Year thing. Well, you've a number of, okay, a number of award-winning books. is also the, the subject um, of a film, the film called uh, The End of the Tour. This is, uh, again, the, the relationship uh, that you forged with David Foster Wallace. And, and okay, so we've sort of, the, the idea of, of, writers and sort of the tension and the dynamics involved it, when you when you see something like what he wrote and what others have written it does your um i don't want to say jealousy but does your sense of is it is it in the in the turn of a phrase is it the plotting is it is it the development of characters what is it the thing that as you as a writer are most interested in being better at and when you see it you recognize it right away that's great it's um it's somebody who makes the world alive for you again. I think that we, there's a great thing that David says in the book, and I think he says part of it in the movie too, um, that, he, that what writers are able to do is they're not, he says, what he says in the, in the movie is great, and this is also in the book. He said that he doesn't think writers are smart other people, they just that they're more, confel- they're more compelling in their stupidity and their confusion. Yeah. And then he also said that when a writer does his job well, when a writer does her job well, what she does is, wake the reader up to stuff the reader was aware of on a certain level kind of all along. And what a really good writer does is, that really good writer, she will wake you up to what is around you. And when you're reading somebody, you know, you're turning the pages, it's a little bit like when you're kind of drifting through the supermarket and you have your phone on and you're thinking about what you're going to buy and then what the drive home is going to be like. Then all of a sudden, the writer will wake you up to how the supermarket looks, to how it feels to be a person, to how it feels to have your feet standing in the aisle in that supermarket, and your life becomes vivid to you again. And there's no one who accomplished that more often or better in the last 30 or 40 years than David. Well, that's very high praise indeed, and I, th- I couldn't agree more. I think that this, and I, I love the dialogue, and that's this part of the film that you're talking about in which uh, David says that, um, and that, that 
yeah it's it's a it's wonderful um now what in in the film um now you're played your your character is played by jesse eisenberg was there, did you have any input as to who would play you in the film? Yes, Jesse Eisenberg was my selection. Well, I mean, like, like, I remember I made a very strong case for him. There were, there were other very strong actors, and he seemed exactly right to do that part. And, and can I ask why you felt that? I mean, besides he's a very good actor, but what was it about him that you thought really well, captured? It was one of the reasons why I was excited when we began talking about Jason. Jason Segel is physically he looks a good deal like David Wallace and he's the same height as David Wallace and he is a former athlete the way David Wallace was. That's one of the one of the cool things about David is that a lot of us have ideas about writers that they are <laughs> they're they're in a portable ivory tower. They're walking around in an ivory tower wherever they go. Right? They have very you know, they have very thick glasses on or they have tightly buttoned up shirts or whatever. And David was you know, he'd been a former jock and was dressed very sloppily and was hanging around diners and stuff like that. But he, he loves to go to diners, and he, he loves sometimes to write in the Denny's. Um, but, he's, but he is, you know, first and foremost, he's experiencing the world as a writer, and it was really important that the person playing him be somebody who also understands what it is to sit in a room with a piece of paper or with a computer screen yeah. and try to find words to express what our experiences are like. And <clears throat> the same is true of Jesse. Jesse publishes humor pieces in the new yorker which is the same magazine that david would publish in and he's also written some great plays and he was somebody who when you look at him and when he talks about writing you believe him because writing is very very important to jesse eisenberg as it is to you as it is to me yeah now i i i have to say and this is just sort of a personal aside i i thought both of them were, were fantastic act in the acting uh, in this film uh that the i I have to tell you, I know someone who reminds me a lot of David Foster Wallace in this respect, in that he is a lot smarter than just about anyone in the room, and than anyone in the room. And when I talked to him, I felt some of the frustration that's expressed in the film. I want to grab him by the collar and saying, basically, a lot of what you what was said in the film, you're so much smarter than the rest of us, and I think what you're doing here is kind of a uh, kind of a guile, if you will. <laughs> You know, and and I, I really, honestly, I, I really felt uh, uh, that because, th- and there, I just, I, I really like the, I like the way that this film is about writing, about writers. You rarely see this, and and I and I and I think it captures so much of the of the internal dialogue that people who write like myself do have and i i just want to congratulate so, you so mike you're a writer as well well you know so, I put, why, so when you said when i said that words are very important to jesse and yeah. to david and to me and to you also yeah oh absolutely and, and it's fine i mean you know you you know better than uh, than i that finding that 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 word that i mean you know, capturing just as you said i i completely understand what you're talking about here and you talk about writing and it's just such a it's it's it, and knowing how difficult that is to translate into a film, a compelling film. I really appreciate what you did and and your part in all of this. It really it really is uh, it's just terrific. Thank you for saying that. I I was curious what you were saying about your friend. So you know that your friend is incredibly incredibly smart and is perceiving things maybe faster or clearer yeah. than other people in the room. But you're saying your friend will sometimes say that he is not the smartest person. In right. The room. He 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 deflects all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. one of the okay, but one of the things I, I wonder about that, and the movie in the movie the the character the me that Jesse Eisenberg is playing is someone who's thirty, and you are really at your most kind of competitive and in a certain way, 
you're most mistrustful of other people's motives when you are a young adult, right? Yeah. Because now what, what David <clears throat> kept saying to me in person and then also in the movie was that what he had learned was that he's not as smart as he thinks he is, right? And that he's not the smartest person in the room. And he's not smarter than the person he's looking at across the room when he's in the supermarket. And I think that is... There's a certain kind of great wisdom that comes from that, too. It may be that, you, that you've trained in the same way that we all run sometimes, right? But Olympic runners, that's all they do, yeah. right? And he may, he may know that he's trained himself to catch things in a room and express them, right? That's, that's his athletic training. It, in fact, doesn't mean that he's smarter than people. And I think that people who do walk around thinking that, often they close themselves off to experience in a way that's dangerous for them. Yeah, all of those things you're talking about. But I think you, you, you hit the right word because I always say, well, he's too intelligent. Well, I mean, he, I, you're, you're too intelligent, you know. But I, I think wisdom is the word I, I should have been uh, saying to him. He's wise because I think there's a tremendous amount of intelligence involved in, in looking at life that way. Because as he says, and as you say in the film... That, uh, you know, intelligence, I'm not intelligent. I couldn't build a car, but I, I could write a sentence. I mean, there are all kinds of intelligence and, and the ability to do, the, to understand that. Uh, that in, and you described it as well as an Olympic runner. That's what they do. Uh, so I, I, this is, a, is exactly uh, why I want to recommend the end, of tour, the end of the tour to people because uh, you so rarely get this kind of intelligent and thoughtful and interesting and engaging conversation and film. It's a great film. I, I don't want to make it sound like it's just a you know talking heads. There's a lot going on here, and a lot people will understand and relate to. I appreciate you saying that, Mike. It's just <clears throat> I've been watching it with different audiences for the last couple of days, and it's just one thing that I that I like is that people who don't know who David Foster Wallace is, who don't read, let's say, as much as David Foster Wallace did. I mean, Wallace would spend a lot of his time reading. He's, as he says in the movie, I'm someone who grew up in libraries. Yeah. Um, they could, watching the movie and going on that trip with Jesse and Jason, they could feel what was extraordinary about this young man's experience of the world and what was funny and what was alive about it. And it was great hearing these people who probably wouldn't be able to recognize a photograph of him really responding to what he was saying about how we all live. Last minute I have with you, and thank you so much for your time. With this, um, what impact has did he did this relationship have? Did you ever talk to him after the fa after you did this profile? You know, I never did. Um, I came home, and I had left. A, I think I must have wanted to stay in his world because I had left uh, a shoe behind. And yeah. so a couple of days later, it's in the movie, the yeah. box arrived at my door, and I thought, oh, that's great, he, he wants to stay in touch. And I opened it up, and it was, a, it was my shoe, my missing shoe with the words, yours, I presume, on a, on a post-it yeah. there next to them. <laughs> um, it goes back in a way, like, it goes back to that kind of way that people who are trying to do the same thing, how they can sometimes misunderstand each other. Yeah. Um, I thought that if we stayed friends before I had had, I mean, no other writer was going to be seen and was going to write as well as he'd written. That's clear from right. That's clear from reading him. For better or worse, he is the best writer that we've produced as a country for a very long time. But at the end of the movie, he says that it would be interesting to talk to me, to Jesse, in a few years when he has gotten some of the stuff that he wants. Yeah. And I didn't want to speak to David again until I could talk to him. I could never talk to him as an equal, but when I could talk to him more as someone, maybe not in the same room, mm -hmm. but in the same house or on the same street. And when that kind of stuff started to happen for me, I would write letters to him. I would email, write, I would write emails, mm -hmm. and then I would test them by sending them to myself and see how it would feel to open them. Mm -hmm. And they seemed so kind of loopy that I never sent them. And then he died. 
Yeah. Let me ask you one last question. If you had never met him and you had just read, read Infinite at Jazz, and what sort of, if, if in fact it has had an impact on the way you write or in your approach to writing, would it have changed if you had never met him and just read Infinite Jest or having met him, whatever impact, or maybe it didn't, but what, what sort of in, impact would, would it have had on you? As well, a, I'm going to give a West Point answer. Um, there's, okay. a great, there's a great phrase at West Point and in all the armed forces that someone really good sets the standard, mm-hmm. and he set the standard. Okay. And you, you may not be able to match it, but it shows that you could, it, it's a demonstration of excellence. Yeah. Um, but one of the things, I love, the, I love what you were asking because I came to him first as a reader. I knew about him from other people, but mm-hmm. I picked up his first, his first collection of stories, and I picked up his first great essays, and it was like, my God, this guy is doing it. And when I, when I sat down to write the book that became the movie, mm-hmm. I was writing that not as me, but as a fan of his. Mm-hmm. And it was the book that I would want to read if I had never met him and if I had never been me. I would want to read this book of him talking about his life. And I know that the director, James Ponsult, and our screenwriter, Donald Margulies, they approached it in the same spirit. In a way, it is just for it is just that it is just for people who might not know who he is or yeah. would never have met him, might have picked up and finished after heard of it, and then they could go into this movie and they could say, "Hey, here's who this person is. Yeah. Here's what we can produce. Here's the standard." Well, I thank you so much. I want to first mention the book that this was the that's just based on. Although, of course, you end up becoming yourself about this five day trip with David Foster Wallace, and the film is the end of the tour, and the the writer and and a writer of extraordinary books and award-winning books as well. Thank you, David Lipsky. Thank you so much for being a part of Film School I know. Today. Mike, thanks for the great questions. That was a great conversation. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.